spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome into another edition of Rage and Review. No, I'm not going to pull the elderly person in twerkers line, Josh Yagno. It is a Tuesday. We are still angry, but that's okay because there's another football game to play in four days. Once again, welcome to Rage and Review, Matt Miguez. Jerry Abair and Josh Jagno join me. Gentlemen, good evening. Hello. Salut. So, Josh, I'm going to start with you because, I mean, you, you and I ran a close race for being the angriest post-game Saturday night, but 72 hours later, how are you feeling? Well, you know, some of that was adult beverage-induced, uh, but it was raw and it was right after the game, so I, I said what I honestly thought. And I went back and watched the game since I've been home. And most of what I thought I saw was there. I, I, I still thought Levi didn't play well. I still thought that we got dominated in the second half on the line of scrimmage, mostly attributed to the fatigue of the defense. Um, I, I think the offensive line played a little bit better than I expected. Uh, I, I noticed that they let their ends get a little deep on some dropbacks. It made it look from uh, just, you know, regular lay fans sitting in the stands. It made it look like they were getting pressure. Uh, uh, the Texas defensive line was getting more pressure than they were. But actually, the tackles played a pretty solid game, all things considered, uh, especially if you take into the consideration that uh, we started Gilly, who's a true freshman, and we had we were without Rubio, and we, we moved uh, a couple of people, um, you know, to different positions than their natural positions, uh, which is great and a wonderful thing to have depth like that. But all things considered, I thought they actually played – better than I thought. Um, I thought Imani Bailey, Imani Bailey played better than I thought in the reaction pod. I said that he made a few bad cuts that led to some, some missed opportunities, but in retrospect, um, you know, he actually played a pretty solid game and made some good decisions. One thing that I didn't mention on the reaction pod that I really thought uh, that, that I missed when I went back and watched the game, Texas's linebackers really played a good game in coverage and were extremely athletic. And I want to give them some kudos because they deserve a hand. I mean, they played really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I was heavily impressed with Texas, you know, overall. You know, I mentioned this Saturday on the on the reaction pod. I thought Hudson Card was phenomenal for a freshman debut. I mean, he made great decisions. He got the ball out quickly. He always found the open guy. I mean, he just played well. Bijan Robinson was everything that I thought he would be. He was elusive. He was fast. He had hands. And, you know, one, one thing I remember from Saturday was everybody was freaking out about that first touchdown that Texas had. I mean, yeah, it was annoying, but here's the thing. It was a simple busted coverage. I mean, you got to give credit to Texas on that because they knew that if they drug that tight end on that crossing route, that he was going to drag a guy over, and that somebody was going to be unaccounted for. It just happened that it was their All-American running back. It's true. 
And we didn't I talk mean, about that enough. They schemed that guy wide open. And what was disappointing was that Eric Gares, look, I mean, he's been in the program for a long time. You would hope that he would recognize that and maybe, uh, I don't know, be a, be a little bit more disciplined on that. But at the same time, it was a good play call by Sark. Right. It was it was a perfect it, call in the situation, and they had the perfect defense for that right. particular call. It wasn't, so. it wasn't so much a bad play on our part as it was just a really good play on their part. It was well. It was a great, great time for the call. They executed it perfectly, and you know Eric just kind of got caught looking in the backfield. Well, you know, obviously we're disappointed about Saturday because the three of us know what could have been and what we're capable of. And Saturday night didn't show that. But that's in the rearview mirror now. You know, Texas is what it is. We move on. Now let's look ahead to Nichols. On paper, initial thoughts. What do you guys think about Nichols? Um, well, I'll say that they're, uh, compared to the Nichols we faced in the past, compared to the Nichols we faced, um, you know, in 2013, where we hung 70, very different, very different. Uh, the evolution of the Nichols football program since team, Tim Rebo has been there. They've gone from possibly one of the worst teams in the Southland to an FCS powerhouse in a span of maybe six or seven years. Um, as people know, Tim Rebo was a former assistant on staff under both Ricky Bustle and uh, Mark Hudspeth here at UL. Um, and he's also a former head football coach at Destran High School. So he knows this area well. One thing that Coach Rebo has done since he's been at Nichols is not only resurrect their program, but he's getting a lot of athletes locally. He's going into River Parishes. He's going into New Orleans. He's going into Acadiana. He's going into Texas. So he sort of created his own state uh, of recruits in this area, in, the, in this region, and it's, it's worked. Um, since he's been there, they've won the conference championship a few times. They've uh, had winning seasons, I mean, constant winning seasons. They got into the FCS playoffs, I, be, I believe, twice. I think one time they got in as an at-large, which is a huge accomplishment when you get into the FCS playoffs. Most of the time, you have to win the conference championship. So in 2013, when we faced them, I think they were – I want to say they were winless that year, or they might have won, like, one game. And then since then, he's accomplished all of those things that I just mentioned. So perception-wise, I think Nichols is one of those FCS schools. Like I said the other night on the reaction pod, they're not a team that you face where you know you're just going to hang 60 on them and win. They're a team that's going to challenge you regardless of if they're FCS or not. Um, they're going to give you a game. They're going to be ready. They're going to be fundamentally sound. They're going to be very, you know, just disciplined. And so I, I look forward to the matchup. I think it's a great game. I think it's a great, I think it's a great game for, for us to transition from the disappointing loss in Austin to playing a team that we know is competitive, but I also think it's a good game for us, not necessarily to get cute, you know, schematically, but stick with the fundamentals. Like I always say, stick with the basics. That's a game you want to just kind of get back into the groove before really hitting the schedule hard. Yeah. You know, all I remember about that 2013 Nichols game is that we absolutely took them to the woodshed. God, what was it? 63 to seven or something like that. 70 to 7 to the 70 point to where 7 that's what it was I believe Daniel Cadona our punter at the time um yeah as you all know he's from Australia his parents flew in from Australia for that game and coach Hutspeth specifically said after the game that there were moments in the game where he thought we would never punt to the point where luckily he I think he was able to punt towards the end of the game but even Hud said it himself I would have taken a knee 
to let Daniel get in the game so his parents could at least see him play. Right. That's how much of a dominated uh, dominated game that was by, by the Cajuns. And, but again, that Nichols team, light years, yeah. light years away from what this team is. I mean, this team is, is, is dangerous, and this is not an FCS school that you want to take lightly, ever. Josh, what you got? I actually saw Danny at the game in, in Austin, so he was there supporting the Cajuns and uh, really liked that guy. But anyway, you know, if we're talking about positive takeaways from Austin to to Nichols, I have thoughts on that. But I will say that this team is not the team that we saw in 2013, not even close. Um, they're going to score points. I think they'll even score a few points on us. I think that we need to get some some guys, some reps that maybe will be called into action to – play some big minutes like for example you know we don't know what's going to go you know we don't know how long Farad's going to be out I know everything has been positive on his injury but you know Jordan Quibito is going to have to play some big minutes so you know with him being in a in a Mike situation well I'm sure it's going to be McCaskill that's going to play Mike now but he's going to be in the middle and he's going to have to make plays he's going to have to cover and make tackles fill gaps and do all the things that you know you expected Farad to do and I, I, I expect to see a heavy dose of Chris Moncrief as well so Guys that uh, weren't necessarily in your starting lineup are going to have to get some some playing time. So I expect to see some points scored. But here's the thing: one really positive thing that you take away from Texas was the defensive line and the front seven really played well, uh, especially before they got uh, before Farad's injury and before they got totally gassed from never coming off the field. You know, nobody talks about this, but we set the tone early with that four that three and out. Um, to start the game defensively and right. and really after that had some really nice moments defensively so I think that that will neutralize their offense a little bit but I think they'll score some points um, and and then offensively we, we have just got to execute better and we have to establish the run like we want to you know Billy's a running coach Billy's the, your prototypical run to set up the pass and Levi is your prototypical run to set up the pass quarterback so I want to see some crispness out of the passing game. I want to see us establish the run and do it on purpose. And I want to see some tight ends being involved in this game. But, uh, you know, a lot of, for a lot of people out there, Nichols doesn't move the needle. I'm here to tell you this is not going to be a walkover. Uh, I don't think we'll lose the game, but I think it'll be more competitive than a lot of people think. Yeah, no, no question about it. One more topic I want to cover before we take our first break of the episode. Saturday's game, you know, uh, one thing I want to bring up, I don't think a lot of people were talking about this. Saturday is the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attack. Uh, it's, it's been 20 years since since September 11, 2001. What do you think? Let, let, let's play a quick game of what are the odds. Josh, you're a betting man. You like, to, you like to play this game. What are the odds that we have a patriotic-esque uniform? Saturday night. Oh, I would love it, man. And look, with Billy, you never know. I mean, he's a very patriotic guy. I know he's got a ton of respect for the military. And, and, and I know that he, I know that Billy's also a traditional guy. So I mean, I'm not looking sure. for a lot. Sure. Put, put, make it make the wait. Make the word mark on the helmet. American flag. Put yeah, some American I, flag I, in the numbers. Like I always something. like to spice it up with the gear, man. I think we should do something. When's the last time we really saw something outrageous from uh, from the equipment team? It's been a while, you know. When HUD was here. So, yeah, since HUD, really. So, uh, no, you probably have a have a good point there. We'll probably see something different. I expect to see – we could maybe see a flyover. We've done that in the past. Uh, but, yeah, you, you're probably right. There probably will be a little there, surprise. There's got to be something. There's got to be something. 
Yeah, I think maybe something on the helmet. Maybe the coaches wear that camo, the camo pants like they usually do um, for some of those military appreciation days. Uh, I think there'll definitely be something like a moment of silence before the game and and, and that kind of thing. But uh, definitely have to recognize um, a significant anniversary like this one coming up for sure. I I want some drippy gear. Yeah, it's time. We need to we need to spice it up a little bit. Now, yeah. I will say this, man. We looked good on Saturday on TV. You know, you know, I, I didn't get to watch it on TV because I was in the stadium. But when I got home and watched it, you know, we really looked the part. It it it, it just felt good. Yeah, and dude, looked we, good we looked like we looked Cajun like we belonged. Helmet. Yeah, and and we look good doing it. And we I love that traditional look that we have now. We've stuck. We've really been sticking with it for several years now. I just I think it looks so good. Those those whites just pop on TV, and. uh and, and, and not to mention one thing for me, like I always wanted to go back to sort of a more plain uniform. We used to have a lot of black trim. And what I love about it, and one thing I got to give credit to Coach Hud for was around 2015, he kind of brought back what we used to wear in the 80s and 90s, the striped the stripe pants, uh, more of a plain sh- vermilion color jersey, also with the whites. And then, uh, you know, Billy and his staff have kind of kept it along. The only difference is that instead of wearing sometimes for home games, like we used to do, wearing the red on white we basically just stick with the red on red at home and then the white on white on the road and nah, i think dude, they both look great we need to get drippy again i'm fine with sticking to traditional but we, we need some we need some mix-ins every now and again yeah i want to i want to see i want to see a clean uh, here's what i want if we're going to have this conversation i want to see a black jersey with the look of the red and white the Louisiana ripped across the top, the stripes going down, like the exact jersey we wear now, just black. That's what I want to see. You, but but it's like last year, right? We wore that last year for one of our home games. I think you can get away with that once in a while. I'm I'm personally more of a traditionalist. I don't well, like boo, doing boo that you. more often. Boo well, you. No, but you got to create. But you have to create an identity. The best uniforms are the ones that are more traditional in my book. I mean, I think now one thing I will say. And to, to, I'll be in, I'll go in between of what you just said. I do want to see more red on white. I like back in the day, like the night we beat Texas A&M in 96, we had the red helmet, the red Jersey, and then we had the white pants with the red stripes. I love that uniform combination. I kind of wish we could wear that every once in a while. I think that looks great, man. I'll tell you one of my favorite uniforms we've ever worn was when HUD was here and we had the all white, with the fleur de lis behind the number. Yeah, those Bro, weren't bad. That thing was like, those are those are pretty good. Those, yeah, those that thing was good. fantastic. I thought it was good. It was weird that we never did it again because that must have been expensive to do. But um, I, no, I don't like black at all. I, I agree with Jerry. I, I think the tradition is so important, and that traditional look is just part of the pageantry of college football. And for a school that's had an identity crisis and not that much tradition in the past i like the fact that we show up and look pretty much the same every saturday so i'm, I'm kind of there but matt you're younger than us and you know you're the youth want to see the flash and the flare yeah. yeah. and so i understand why you like it i think it's appropriate i mean don't get me wrong a- don't get me wrong i i enjoy the traditionalist aspect of it i i like the clean and simple but every now and again you know one or two games a year break out the drip but that's okay, though. One or two games a year is fine. It's The problem is, is you see a lot of schools, and look, everybody talks about Oregon and all these schools with the nice uniforms. 
but you can't when you constantly change it bro I, really I read no a i read a tweet to it. i read a tweet one time that oregon has like thirteen thousand different uniform combinations every well, see, year they, too they, they 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 cornered a new market their tradition is the the changing change. of uniforms so right. but right. you can't you can't go and copy that because it's very very unique you sure. know but but yeah i agree oregon did it and they did it well and they continue to do it well so i, I mean I, I would never want to i would never want to be them I, i'll put it to you like this the first time we played northwestern state in 2015 it was the first home game after the Kentucky game where we wore those uniforms that you're talking about, Matt, the white on white yeah, with, the, all with white. the cool helmet, with the Fleur de Lee helmet. Yeah. But we took the field with a red, that red jersey and those white pants. Man, the first thing I told dad, I'm like, man, it looks like we're back in the 90s again, man. It brings back a lot of memories. It was very nostalgic to see us wearing it. But what we did was we modernized the uniform based off of what we used to wear. And I love that. I love kind of bringing the past with the future kind of combining it. I thought they did yeah. a fantastic job doing it and they still do it today. If you look back at the uniforms when Brian Mitchell played red on red with the white stripe, same uniform with the script yeah. cages. The difference is we have the modern logo. I love that. I love kind of combining the past with the present. I think we've done a great job with those uniform identity uh, with, with I combining those. Totally agree. Give me the script helmets though. Uh, I still, yes, think yes, the, man. Uh, I would need, love to wear we the need script to bring helmets. The, we need to bring the script back. Absolutely. Sure. We'll take a break here on rage and review. And when we come back, we will have your behind enemy line segment for our game this Saturday with the Nichols State Colonels. We're going to keep you guessing on who our guest is, though. You'll enjoy it. Don't worry. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Rage interview. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white go cajuns shilling distributing company acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years has been a proud supporter of louisiana athletics for many of those years now they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the rage and review podcast this is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today.
Welcome back to Rage Interview. Matt Miguez, Jerry Hebert, Josh Jagno. It's time to go behind enemy lines. And this week we are, of course, talking about the Nichols State Colonels as they come to Lafayette Saturday for a 6 p.m. showdown between the Colonels and the Cajuns. And we thought that there was no better way to go behind enemy lines than speak to somebody who has been in the Nichols program and from the sounds of it, is still currently in the Nichols program. Former Colonels quarterback Chase 4K. Chase, how's it going, man? What's up, man? How y'all? Doing great, man. Just enjoy being here. So, man, talk to us, you know, what, what's life been like ever since graduating from Nichols? Um, you know, the draft process last year for you. Did you have any yeah. NFL camps reach out to you? Walk us through all that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, got done our season my senior year of 2019. <clears throat> uh, you know, going transferring over to that 2020 year, just, you know, COVID and just a lot of stuff going on, right? And, uh you know, I graduated and then, you know, trying to do pro day. It was scheduled for April 13th. And, you know, I had a couple of NFL guys reach out to me, you know, the Jets, the Chargers, the Red, the, the Washington football team currently. Um, a lot more of the guys, but, uh, you know, the thing about that was, you know, I needed to get, I needed to get a pro day. I needed to get out there. I needed to get guys to, or teams to really look at me in person. And for me to just, tell them in person just how I really operate as a quarterback, you know, as a, as a player, as a person off the field, uh, just a lot of stuff like that. But, yeah, that was the process. That was the transition from my senior year of college to, you know, uh, eventually going, going pro. So, uh, you know, throughout the throughout the 2020 year, um, you know, I was trying to get a pro day. That eventually got canceled. So I had to do a virtual pro day, you know, on YouTube. And, you know, it's on YouTube now, but – uh you know, other than that, man, I transferred over to that. And about October of 2020, I went did this, I participated in the spring league for a month. You know, it was a, it was a good league. Uh, just uh, on the professional side of it, as far as you know, the spring league, uh, I think I think it was good. You know, I met a lot of you know coaches that coaches in the NFL that you know with their scheme and the playbook, and us learning the playbook, and just you know a lot of former players that you know watch on TV or. You know, guys that I played against in college. You know, I was I was with all those guys, right? And then, uh, you know, trying to turn it over to 2021. You know, I'm, I was playing for the arena team and Columbus Lions, and I was based out of Georgia uh, in the National Arena League. Um, ended up going to the championship, ended up losing it. But uh, as far as that, man, that was a great experience. As far as you know, myself personally, uh, me as a player, as a professional, uh, you know what it takes to be a to be a professional. And uh, I think all that was a like I said, it was a great learning experience for me. And then now, look, while I was there in the, while I was in the professional league of uh, the arena league, uh, you know, Coach Rob Christopher, my OC at Nichols, called me back up. You know, wanted me to come out and help out and coach at you know at Nichols State right now, me GA, and you know that's what I love to do. You know, I love football. I love the game of football. I feel like I can definitely play and coach this for a long time. And uh, you now I just get my foot in just to get a foot in the door and just to get got, uh, coaches that, you know, I was coached by that, that I can still learn from. You know, that's, 
but that's look, that's where I'm at now, and you know I love doing what I'm doing. I'm like I said, looking looking forward to another great game on Saturday night. Yeah, no question about it, man. You know, we were talking before before the interview started, and you said you guys were still in Memphis from your game this past yeah. Saturday, and obviously that that's due to the the after effects of Hurricane Ida. You know how how's the hurricane? How's the storm impacted you and your family, as well as the Nickel State football program? Yeah, uh, it was tough, man. Uh, prior the week before, um, we really didn't know where this this hurricane was going. And uh, that week, you know, we were kind of thinking it was going more out west, but then it kind of shifted east. And, uh, you know, I was I was going to Houston no matter what. You know, I was going to watch my, my, my friend play, one of my good friends, Gary Wilder, play. You know, he played at TCU. He got drafted at Houston, Texas. And, you know, this is honestly my only week where I can really watch him play, and, you know, in NFL for a game because I'll be with Nichols. So I was up there. I left, you know, Friday morning. Got there Friday afternoon, and I stayed. You know, the game was on Saturday, and then the storm hit on Sunday. So, and I stayed in Houston from, you know, Friday morning to about Tuesday morning. And, you know, Sunday night it hit. You know, it hit Thibodeau, it hit Homer, it hit, uh, you know, parts of New Orleans, parts of Metairie, Kenner. Went all the way through the plots, and I think it's finished in New York. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> but, uh. Other than that, as far as my family, uh, you know, we had, like I said, we got a lot next to my next to my house that a big tree fell backwards, and another big tree fell backwards on my garage. So it wasn't that much damage. Uh, my garage is really small, so it really wasn't that much. But uh, yeah, man, as far as Tibor and home, I think they got hit the most. Uh, you know, it's devastating. You know, looking at pictures, looking at uh, just stuff in Tibor, power lines down, uh, just trees all in the, all on the street. Uh, it's a lot of stuff that. You just wouldn't see out of a city like that with a small town like that. But uh, good thing about it is, you know, our power, our power is back in Metairie, of where I stay, where my hometown's at. Um, you know, New Orleans is getting back, Tilda's getting back together, home is, re, you know, rebuilding. And uh, you know, and that's, that's a big thing with us. You know, us Louisiana. You know, we, we like we know how to come back stronger, stronger than ever, uh, rebuilding stronger than ever. Uh, Tilda's, you know, they. They got some lights, some power up in some parts of the city, but you know, other than that, man, I think. But I think the biggest thing and the good thing about this, as far as the team is, you know, you see a lot of guys coming together. You know, with us staying in these hotels, us staying, just being with each other all day. Uh, you definitely see the positive side of that. But uh, as far as the hurricane, man, it was just devastating. But uh, I know, like I said, I think we all got through. I think our fans was just all safe and secure. And you know, I think, you know, like I said, we're still still out here playing ball and doing what we love. So I think that's. A, you know, these players and these coaches love, love, that's the best part about it. Yeah, uh, Chase, Jerry here. What's going on, man? Uh, quick question. What's up, you. man? How are you? Good, good. I, I have to tell you, you said you're from Metairie. I was born and raised in Kenner, so we're practically neighbors, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we're about five minutes away from each other. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I now live in Lafayette, but it's always a good two-hour drive to go visit with family and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So you can relate oh, yeah. To me, uh, Tom, you know, so so after you, 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 um, you know, once you had signed with Nichols, you went to a program that was basically rebuilding. Um, you know, Coach Tim Rebo, very familiar name here in Lafayette. He coached with the University of Louisiana football program for pretty much a decade, um, you know, made a name yep. for himself here, got the job at Nichols. And when you got there, um, you, you got to pretty much grow with the program, uh, a lot of success on the field, but it, it came with a price. Um, you know, he basically, Coach Rebo took over a program that could barely win a game. Um, 
Talk about yep. your experience in helping rebuild the program as well as being a face of the program. What was it that caused you guys to just come out of the, basically resurrect the program, come out of the dead and win the way that you yeah. did? What type of culture did Coach Rebo bring to the program that caused that success? And what did he do uh, as far as, you know, whether he, that's the staff he hired and also what did he do to make you a better football player? Yeah. I mean, look, there's so much I can talk, I can tell, but I can just talk about with Coach Tim Rebo, man, but he's a, just a great person. And, you know, it just transferred that over to the football field, just him being a great coach. Uh, you know, yeah, UL did recruit me out of high school. Um, I did go to a game at, at UL. And unfortunately, the only coach to walk up to me at that game, and look, it's nothing against UL, nothing against the football program, but that's the only coach that walked up to me was Tim Rebo. And, you know, he, he just keep in touch with him, keep in touch with him, and eventually, you know, he gets a job at Nichols, and then that was my senior year of 2015. And they offered me a scholarship. And now I had other offers, you know, Maryland, Arkansas State, Northwestern State, McNeese, Austin P. You know, a lot of these, all these other guys that, you know, were, you know, were interested in me as well. But, you know, I, I think the biggest thing with Coach Rebo is he preaches family. And that was one of the reasons why I went to, I went to Nichols. And uh, along with me and about six, seven other guys that came in together with me, you know, we all, we all had one goal, and that was to rebuild this program. Yes, we knew they went three and eight. My senior year of high school when I was and Coach Rebo's first year at Nichols. Yes, they went three and eight. Yes, we went five and six when I was there. But the culture that Coach set was, you know, we're, we're a football team that's never going to quit. We're going to be the hardest working team on the field. We went by that literally every single day, and we, we went by those. You know, we had Coach got to overcome challenges that. Nichols was facing in recent years that we were able to build off of and able to win, right? And then, you know, eventually through the years, we got two conference championships back-to-back, three playoff appearances, uh, a lot of guys getting player of the years, all-conference, uh, three-time all-conference players that you just never – that you'll just look at and you just never think they'll be all-conference. But the thing that separated us, I feel like, from everybody else was we always did the right thing, you know, and Coach Rock, that's what Coach Rebo preaches literally every day he still does you know always doing the right thing I'm telling you that stuff transfers over to the field but um, as far as I guess you can say being you know one of the guys of the program was look I just went there and did my job you know I had a lot of, I had a lot of great players that I played with that a lot of guys that don't know you know Hezekiah White Omani Martin uh, Evan Barron Sully Lesh uh, so a lot of guys had the same Dontrell Taylor you know he's, he's a 5 running back that you know is number one in our program history of rushing yards. You know, it's that type of stuff that uh, we take pride in. That's why we won. And um, you know, that's why I try to tell these players now is just uh, enjoy the one, enjoy the moment, enjoy the process because we all had a vision, we all had a goal in our freshman year, and that was the win. You know, going to Georgia, you know, week one, two freshmen, first game, you know, the, I'm looking at the points for it, 52 and a half. And I'm just like, listen, if we, if we lose by 52 points, I'm not playing football ever again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're going to Georgia and we end up, you know, losing by two points. But that, I think that game right there kind of set the standard of, you know, Nichols football. Um, you know, like, we just we just worked hard every single day. We went and, we went and, and got it. Got two rings, man. Uh, but all in all, man, we just love each other. I think that's, that's why we won games. You know, we play for each other, play for coach. And, you know, it starts at the top. And 
Coach Rupert has a great message every single day he comes in. And like I say, he's a great coach to be around, great coach to play with, and just a coach next to. And he's just a great guy. Man, I know he did a lot of great things in Lafayette, and I know he, I know his name in Lafayette, probably up there. But um, like I said, he's a great guy. You know, he's a, he's a Louisiana native. Um, you know, there's a lot of great things I can say about Coach Rupert. So, you know, it's funny. I, I you know, I, I don't know. You probably, you obviously don't know this. I had the chance to watch you play your senior year um, in the semifinal game at Rummel. Um, you had played Jesuit. I actually, I'm a Jesuit grad. And so, um, okay. and the Jesuit Rummel, okay. <laughs> the, Je- the Jesuit Rummel uh, matchups were always a war. Um, I had the, the pleasure of watching you play in that semifinal game, but man, you were, you were a battler. And first thought that came to my mind was, you know, as a Cajuns fan, are we looking at this kid? You know, I was like, are we looking at him? And then you just said uh, that Coach Rebo looked at you a little bit uh, before he went to Nichols. And of course, you went off to Nichols. But you talked a little bit about the recruiting process. Um, and Coach Rebo and Nichols offered you a full sc- uh, ride scholarship. Um, you know, you had mentioned you had some some looks, but did you two questions? Number one. Uh, what was your impression of, of the UL program in Lafayette when you were getting looked at by the Cajuns? And number two, uh, did you want to stay close to home? Is that why you went to Nichols? You just wanted to stay close to home? Or what was your decision in finally going to uh, to Nichols? Yeah, I think uh, you know, about the UL football program, but that, was, that was a great program. I think there was a coach, uh, Coach Mark Hubs or something like that. And, uh, you know, I used, to, I used to go to football camps. Um, so Jay Johnson was the quarterback coach. I think it was with Michigan State now, OC. Um, so they were always, they were always interested in him. You know, DC, the DC, his, uh, recruiting area was, uh, his name was Coach Lucas. He's a DC now at Northwestern State. Um, and he was the guy recruiting me. And it's just crazy. But, like I said, I'm not trying to bash anybody, but, you know, I go to a football camp. Nichols and UL are kind of, they're in the combined, right? And it's like a combined football camp or something. And, you know, they tell me I'm the best quarterback there, this, this, and that. And, you know, and they're like, yeah, we're going to offer you a scholarship up to the camp. Cool. Hey, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. And, look, all in all, they didn't offer me. Um, they didn't touch with them throughout, the, throughout my senior year. And, uh, but, look, uh, Coach Rubo gave me a, offered me a scholarship at Nickel State. Um, you know, he did you know, like I said, I wanted to stay close to home. Uh, I had Maryland, I had, you know, the, but the main reason about me wanting to stay close to home is because I got a brother that's in a wheelchair. You know, he just a, he, he stays an hour away from you know Tiberia, Louisiana, and you know I just wanted him to come watch me play every game, and that's what he did, and it worked out perfect for me. Uh, you know, three people would let him come to practice and watch practice whenever he wanted. Um, but now you know now he's coaching. He was recently co- coaching at Rumble. Now he's at North uh, North Shore. But um, yeah, man, I think that was the only reason why I wanted to stay, stay in Louisiana was to be close to him, and you know a lot of other reasons. Uh, you know a lot of a lot of players coming in that you know was in the same class as me. That was the same mindset: rebuilding, wants to win. Work, they all work hard. You know, we well, look, like I said, all that stuff plays a part. You know, in my decision of you know put the attending Nickel State, and like I said. I could have went to ULM. I could have went to Maryland. I could have went to all these other colleges. But you know, deep down, you know, you know, with me and my family, I think it was the best decision for me was to go to Nickel State and just be around my family, be around other guys that uh, brought me to where I am today. 
And uh, like I said, it, it worked out perfect for me. Um, but I knew once I got to college that it's like, you know, it's, it's all on you now, right? You know, a lot of guys helped you along the way. But for you to be in this position, uh, you know, you, you can only you, you can only get better. Um, you know, I learned that through the years. But, you know, like I said, all in all, my decision was definitely to be close to home, definitely to family, definitely to friends that just wanted to come watch me play. And definitely to a school that needed somebody to, you know, to lift up this uh, football program. Not only me, but I'm telling you, a lot of other guys that did the same thing I did, I was still able to be the quarterback for four years. Um, I just took pride in my position. I worked hard at it. Uh, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm just passionate about the game of football, and I think that's, that's what that's what guys to win two championships, three playoff appearances. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of things like that that just shape us into what Nickel State football is today. Chase, Josh here. Listen, man, again, really appreciate you doing this with us. Anytime we can get players to come back and tell oh, us yeah. stories about these programs, it's always a good time. So I just wanted to say thanks. And uh, listen, don't worry about bashing. We do, we do plenty of bashing around here. So have some fun while we have you, all right? Um, I got you. I got you. Listen, I, you mentioned Georgia, right? And I remember that game well. Uh, I may or may not have had a few nickels on that game. So... No, no pun intended, but daddy nah, took home a few bucks. <laughs> so, so uh, I'm just curious about those, those bigger games. You know, obviously people that don't follow schools like Nichols, we always get interested in the almost upsets or the games that really catch the national attention. That was definitely one. I think Georgia was ranked in the top 15 at that time, if, if I'm remembering that properly. Nah, they, were, uh, they, were, they were nine during the time. Number nine in the country. So obviously people are paying attention, especially in Vegas. Everybody's watching that game. But um, so you had that one. You went to Kansas and won. And you had the uh, – what was the other game I'm thinking of? You had Kansas. You had – oh, Nebraska. We right? played uh, We played Texas Georgia, South Alabama, Texas A&M. Texas A&M, uh, that's what it was. Kansas and Kansas State. So you had a couple of near misses. I mean, you guys really put on a show nationally a couple of times. I'm curious of how did, and, and you said it, you guys set the standard and you said you're going to work hard and go in there and you, you were not going to get embarrassed. And I love that. I appreciate that. When was the moment, when, was there a moment in any of those games? Maybe it was the Georgia game. When did you finally know we can win this game? Like these guys are not that much better than us. Like, holy shit, we can play with this team. I learned that, that moment. I learned that when I was when I put on the film to watch to get ready for Georgia. I knew we had a chance to win. You know, like I said, um, you know, a lot of guys might think I'm, you know, I guess bullshitting or lying or whatever. But you know, I come from a football family that, you know, I, I don't look at me part. I don't look at anybody. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but anyway, like I was going to Georgia or they SEC, you know. Uh, you know they they the SEC they 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 big power fast whatever big power big power fast but no look they run a four two cover three they run a four two cover uh, cover two man they run the same stuff that if we play UL or Houston Baptist the type of defense right they play at eleven versus eleven they look they breathe the same way we breathe that's the way we, that's the way we looked at it, you know but yes. Us being from Nickel State FCS program, um, but I think I, I think it was our mindset. 
And like I said, it started with the top. You know, our, our, our head coach, Coach Rebo, our DC, OC, and all the coaches believe that we can win. You know, why, why go into a game thinking you're going to lose? You know what I mean? Why game plan for something thinking that you're going to lose by a lot? You know, that, that's just not our case. At the end of the day, it comes down to execution. You know, my first pass attempt in college football was a pitch, right? You know, they was in two-man. We run this pick concept, and I tried on a back shoulder phase to JP, and it gets picked off, right? So that was just bad execution. That had nothing to do with the corner being 6'3", 220, or 6'3", 215, and he just made a good play. No, it was just he made a good play, went back, came down to execution, and we didn't execute. But then we come back in the second half, and I throw a 900 fade to see that base, and it was one-on-one, cover one. You know, that's, that's the type of stuff that I remember. Uh, not, not only because, you know, I was a quarterback, but at the same time was, you know, like, look, like I said earlier, they, they bleed the same way we bleed, right? They just, like, the final score was 26-24, you know, third and eight, Nick Charles runs for the first down, and we had no timeouts left, and we lose, right? Then we go up to, then we go to Kansas my junior year, you know, Bigger, faster, stronger, whatever you want to call it. But we come out and then the whole different defense that we prepared for. So we had to adjust off the off the run, off the game. And then, you know, we ended up winning that game. Uh, we run just Tarzan Q, just pin and pull to the right with me. And end up scoring a touchdown, we win. But I think when we play those, you know, bigger type schools, like the Power Fives and you know, SEC, it's all about mindset. You know, if you go in there thinking you're going to lose, then you're going to lose, right? So... I think the biggest thing, like I said, the biggest thing was we are, we had a lot of guys that had that mindset of, you know, we, we can't lose. You know, we, we're going there, we're going to win. You know, we're going to do everything. We're going to execute well. We're going to not turn the ball over. We're, gonna, we're just going to go in there. We're going to do our job. We're going to execute. And it's like that for every single game, no matter who we play. So that's a, that that's the big thing that, like I said, I love about Coach Dubo. You know, he, like I said, Coach Dubo does it. He does the little things right that he tries to, Bring down to us, and you know it's 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 been going well for us. So, uh, look, hats off to Coach Rubo and the staff and just the players that came in there and did their job and executed well, no matter who we played. So, uh, yeah, all that stuff just has its own point to it. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Do you have any funny or wild stories from any of those P five games? That's I love that kind of stuff. Anything in the locker room or anything like that? Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, I got. I, I guess I got a lot of stuff. Like, I got a lot of stories about just anything, really. You know, I, I remember when I threw a pick against Lake Nice my freshman year to throw in a touchdown against South Alabama to tie it up with a minute 34 left. You know, I got, I know, I, I remember a lot of stuff because I've, I, I've been on a lot of experiences. Uh, I didn't start, the only game I didn't start four years was one game my sophomore year against Northwestern because I hurt my shoulder the week before. And I come back in the fourth quarter and we win. So, yeah, I don't think uh, yeah, some wild stories. Uh, yeah, we played Kansas. We played Kansas Junior. You know, they just kicked a field goal. To, we fouled them on fourth down. I mean, on third down, they kick a field goal to go twenty-three points. Um, we get the ball. You know, we're, I'm, I'm like, we scoring. We win it. We're, we're gonna win this game. Well, I'm not. I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to kick a field goal. I'm, I'm trying to score it. Right. So. Damn, I get the chills talking about it right now. So we coming in, first got a first play run, this play called J and Q. I just run to the left, the center's pulling, the guard's pulling, and I'm just running, trying to find a hole and make a play. So I run for about twelve yards and I get I'm talking about I get laid out, right? 
Uh, I'm talking about like, I'm talking about like this. I got in the leg, the shoulder, the head, everywhere. And uh, second play, we run this. They they send an all out play. Sometimes I got hit again from the high and the low. I'm all over the place right now. And then we get a we get a PI call and it's like first and goal on the five. And coach calls Tarzan Q, which is the, just the opposite of Jane Q. And I look back in the sideline and see if we're good. We're good. Run the play. We score. We win. I throw the ball in the stands. I go crazy all over the field. Just everybody's going crazy. Because niggas never beat a 5 5 school before. And for us to do that, for us to do that for the city of Sibyl, it's something that uh, you can't ever take away. And that's just something I remember the whole night. You know, going on a plane. Uh, just after the plane, at 3, three o'clock in the morning, you got the Thibodeau Fire Department blowing their horns because, you know, we won a game in Thibodeau and we beat a fire fire school. Uh, that's the type of stuff that, like I said, I, like, okay, I took pride in. It's, it's not all about me. It's not all about these players. It's, all about, it's, it's about this city that was about to quit this program. It was about to quit this football program, turn it into something different. And, you know, we came in there. We did, you know, we did something that they never did before. And, you know, I think we're proud, we're proud to say that. And that's the good thing about it. Yeah, those are the kind of things you don't get at the P5 experience when you get to have small towns like that staying up till 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning just to say, welcome back. You know what I mean? that's That's got to be awesome. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, we flew in from, from – we flew into New Orleans around, I'd say, 2 o'clock. Get on a bus to go drive an hour to Thibodeau, and you got a Thibodeau Fire Department, you know, playing their horns at 3 in the morning in Thibodeau, Louisiana, because a Nichols football team beat a fire fire school. Right, you just don't get that anywhere else, or just commonly. You know what I mean? So, right, right. For me to be a part of that, for a lot of guys to be a part of that, um, yeah, it's just awesome, bro. It really is. It's just you know, like all the stuff we've been through uh, from my freshman year to my senior year. To uh, only two guys coming on throwing sessions my first time. To literally the whole receiving group, heading group, running back group—they're all coming in uh, consistently. Want to get better. Then I started my junior year. We we're working our ass off, running, throwing. Then eventually we got a conference ring, and then we do it again, right? And it was just a lot of stuff we've been through, a lot of stuff we went through that just came out on top and end, and that's what it's all about, you know? Because football, look, it's not only football, X's and O's, it's all about life, too. And, you know, I met my bestest friends in college because we play football together. Right, and we just always, every day we're being with each other and just enjoying winning. That's what it's all about. Because winning takes care of everything. <laughs> winning takes care of everything. So that was a big thing. And the hard work pays off every time. So, like I said, I'm blessed with, you know, with being a quarterback the last four years and just where I'm at now with Nicholas football and just helping out and coaching and getting these quarterbacks right, getting Lindsey right, and just winning. That's what it's all about for me. And, yeah, man, it's, it's pretty awesome. Good, man. Well, look, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Nichols football in 2021. Uh, first question will be, you know, you're getting replaced by Lindsey Scott Jr. We all know who he is. He's from around here. He's uh, he's a household name, essentially, in South Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana. Um, talk to me about Lindsey Scott Jr. And what are, I mean, we know he can play. We've seen him play. What do you think his potential is at Nichols this season? Yeah, look, he's a great person, great player. Uh, we came out of the same year in high school. You know, he played at Zachary Hyde. I played at Rumble. Uh, look, 
he's been a, he's been a great player since high school. Uh, he makes plays that you know I, I watch his highlights. And I'm just like, dude, how how'd you do this? You know, and um, well, he's a very smart football player. Uh, the ball really well. Just you know, he, he does a lot of things that you normally know, don't see out of a quarterback. And uh, he makes plays on the run. He makes plays. You know, he can throw it on the run. He does a lot of stuff that. You know, it just he kind of had that wild wow factor, but uh, yeah, man, he's like, like I say, he's a great person to be around. He always, you know, he wants to learn, wants to get better. Uh, you can see week by week that you know he, he's getting better as a player and as a person around this team. You know, he's he's leading this team. He wants to lead. He wants to learn. He wants to do everything it takes to get a ring. You know, as far as the nickel, as far as nickel football. And uh, you know, we had a tough one last week. You know, with uh, with Memphis, but uh, like I said, I think it was a learning. Learning too for our offense, for him, um, just for our team. You know that 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 that, that was a five five school that we went in there. We thought we could win the game, and you know stuff like that just, just, just didn't go our way. And it's not it's not a one game season. You know, yes, we lost, but at the same time, we learned from those mistakes. And I'm sure, and I know we're not going to make the same mistake this week. And Lindsey knows that. But uh, yeah, man, as far as Lindsey, man, he's. From the, from the spring season to now, you can definitely see the growth as far as him. You know, as far as him as a player, person, uh, leader. But uh, like I said, the sky's the limit for him, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm here to get him better, get him the, the ways of, you know, win a conference championship and eventually a national championship. You know, that's, that's, I think that's where our goal is now. Uh, it was win a conference. It was just winning at first and then winning a conference championship and eventually a national, a national championship. But, uh, yeah, man, I think he got all the tools to, to be that player. I think he got all the weapons around him and players around him to, to be successful. And, uh, you know, I think I'm seeing it day by day. And like I said, I know it's all going to pay off. So you mentioned Spring and his improvement. Where do you think he's improved the most from when he got to Nichols to now? Uh, I think leadership. I think in this, in this quarterback, I think in this position in particular, quarterback, um, I think mean, I think that's a position where, you know, you might it's it, it's just ways of talking to people. Uh, you know, I might talk to you differently than how I talk to a receiver or another receiver just by how off they they run a route or, um, mainly just doing the right thing on and off the field. You know, like you can see, guys want to look up to Lindsey. Guys want to, um, just whatever Lindsey does, they're gonna do. And you know, they're staying out the practice. Like I, I didn't see that in the spring with anybody. Now then, Lindsey's getting guys to stay out of practice, uh, getting guys to work hard in the summer, getting guys to seven on seven. Uh, just a lot of stuff that what it takes to be a, a, a you know, quarterback of this football team. And I'm not saying he wasn't doing that in the spring. I'm just saying there wasn't any uh, leadership qualities out of anybody on, on the team, but most important, the quarterback position. Um, and look, it's true. You know, we went four and three, um, really three and three. You know, the team Lincoln kind of blew them out in the first game, but uh, just stuff like that in the spring that we just never expected uh, at a nickel football program. And I'm not saying that Lindsey sort of changed all of it, but Lindsey, I'm saying from, from spring to fall, you know, you can definitely see, you know, Lindsey being that leader, being that guy that everybody wants to revolve around. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's doing a great job so far. Like I said, I know he's only getting better at that. And I think that's my job for him to get better at that and for me to, you know, show him, you know, what it takes to win and what it takes to win big, you know, at Nickel State. Chase 4K, our guest. Chase, you know, the, the Colonel defense was kind of a, a low point for you guys last year. 
you know, what needs to improve for success against the Cajuns on Saturday as well as the rest of the 2021 season? And then, sure. you know, the, the second part of the question that I have is, you know, we talked about Lindsey Scott Jr. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows who Julian Gums is, Dejon Dixon, K.J. Franklin. You know, those are, those are household names if you pay attention to Louisiana college football. Give us some names to look for on Saturday that most people probably wouldn't know about, some under-the-radar guys. Oh, yeah. So, guys, your first question with the defense. Uh, kind of different, man. Just uh, a lot, like I said, my four years here, the, the spring season from seeing, you know, it, I think it's, a lot of stuff has changed. A lot of offenses are, are, are getting even uh, more better. I say more better, uh, are getting better, you know, with their offense and with their strategy and with their just, just a lot of motion and stuff like that. But we, I haven't really seen, you know, my, with me playing, from 2016 to 2019, uh, I think a lot of offenses are evolving, so so a lot of defense needs to evolve as well. Um, you know, Lakers football defense is known for being tough, being hard nosed. You know, one blade of grass. Uh, we're getting after you. Uh, we're leading the we're leading the nation in tackles for loss. We're leading the nation in sacks. Uh, just a lot of stuff that I'm so used to, right? But then it's just different style of players that we have. You know, we have players that can move around the ball that can. Uh, you know, just athletic, right? And I think that's a big thing that we didn't see last week out of our defense. But look, Coach Rockback, our DC, man, he's been here forever. A lot of guys know what it takes. Look, a lot of guys know what it takes to to play defense for this for this team. And like I said, man, it's all, look, we gotta get our foot in the door. We gotta get our feet fresh and just make plays and tackle and you know do our assignment on and off the field and to do the right thing and do our job. But uh. I think, look, under the radar guy, I mean, look, you know, Lee Negrato, look, he's been doing great for us at the tight end position. He's a guy that wants to get better every day. He works hard at it. He's a great person. Um, so the guy that, like, you, it's just a guy that, me being a coach or a GA, whatever you want to call it, you know, he's a guy that you want to, that he asks questions. He wants to learn. He wants to get better every day. And that's a, that, that's, that's the type of player that his hard work is going to pay off in the end. And so when it's, well, his number is called that, you know, hopefully, you know, some of be successful, hopefully he takes advantage of that, like I know he will. Um, there's a lot of more other guys that I think can, you know, can, can do a lot for niggas football and, and can, set, can set that standard for what it takes to keep this program on the rise. And there's a lot of guys that know what it takes to win. And that's why look, I'm, I'm super excited for this season. I'm super excited just to be around this program and, do my part and helping out any way I can possible. And, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, man, Coach Rubio does a great job. And just what he – just everything he does does at Nichols and just the city of Thibodeau, you know, a lot of a lot of guys and a lot of people around Thibodeau, you know, leaning on us to, to win. And that's what it's all about. So, you know, like I said, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be able to coach these guys and help out these guys any way possible. Chase, uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, you're, you're – you guys are, are, are displaced right now. Um, and I know last week you had to travel up to Memphis. Then you said you have to make a few stops on the way before you come to Lafayette in a few days. Um, how was, how was the, just talk a little bit about the game uh, last Saturday against Memphis. Um, you know, it looked pretty, looked pretty respectable. I know Memphis ended up pulling away in the end, but at the same time, it still looked like, uh, you know, Nichols played. You know, you had your you had your high points as well. Uh, talk a little oh, bit yeah. about the game, but also also talk about the travel. I know right now because you guys are 
unfortunately in a different place than you'd like to be, I'm sure. Um, how has that affected uh, the team and has it been positive or negative? I know you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, the teams, you know, you guys are a close knit group, but uh, do you feel like it's, it's, it's made your team stronger as far as the morale or is it one of those things that you're like, you know, you just have to go through the motions. How is that as well? Yeah, uh, you know, we're hurting him like that. Uh, that's something that you can't control. Um, you know, I, I wish we could control it. I wish we can just blow it and make it go back in the water. <laughs> I wish we could do that. Uh, but we can't. Um, so, you know, coach had a plan. You know, us to come in Wednesday morning, um, get all the guys together, get all the equipment together, the gear together, get all this stuff together for us to go win a football game on Saturday. And I think that's a, that was everybody's mindset of to get out of Louisiana because, you know, we didn't have any water, didn't have any power, didn't have any, you know, food, whatever. Because, you know, just a lot of, a lot of gas stations, a lot of stores just wasn't able to do the, do the power outage. And uh, the coach was, the coach had a plan. You know, Memphis, shout out to Memphis football program, which is helping us out and giving us a place to stay for the week. And even after the game, we stayed, we went to another hotel on, on their campus. And, um, but I, I just think that didn't take us away from, of the, from the football game. Uh, you know, I think our game plan, our, you know, the, our, our normal game week operation wasn't where we needed to be, um, but we worked around it. Uh, like I said, so Drew, like I said, I've been saying it for, what, well, 40 minutes now I've been saying it, but Coach Drew does a great job of, of getting his coaching staff on the right plan, getting our players on the right, on the right direction. Uh, just doing everything it takes for us to not worry about the outside stuff and just for us to focus on football. Um, I mean, that's what they did. But look, you know, never just got our hand. He had our hand. You know, we, we drive down first drive. We have a 12 play drive and score. And that, I think that that was Nickel's football right there. You know, 12 play drive, running pass, uh, thinking and dunking, finding the right guys, executing well. And, you know, we get, we get seven points, right? And then Memphis drives down. And we stop them inside the ten, and they get a field goal. So I think we were right there, right, right in it. Um, like I said, the stuff didn't go our way, but like I said, it wasn't a losing experience for us; much more of a learning experience for us. And you know, hopefully, we go in the, into this game Saturday and you know find a way to win. And I, I think that, that I think from this week now, it, it was a it was a pretty normal game week for us uh, as far as coaches. You know, game planning, uh, practice went well this week. It was, you know, it was pretty awesome just being being around these guys and them to take pride in. Just, look, they weren't looking at where we're at. I think everybody knew we're still in Memphis. I think all of them knew that, you know, we're leaving tomorrow morning to go back to Louisiana. I think they're happy for that. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for us is, you know, we're playing Saturday night. You know, these guys get to go out there and, you know, show Louisiana and show Taylor that, you know, we're still playing, we're still getting after, we're still practicing for a game on Saturday and then it's here. Um, and, you know, for us to play at, you know, Louisiana Lafayette, uh, that's something I feel like nobody has ever played there before as far as us on the team. Um, you know, Nickel first UL, I forgot the last time they played, but I think they, they, they took it to, to, I think they took it to us pretty handily. Um, hey, it is what it is. But like I said, all in all, man, but I think all the players know where we're at, the coaches know where we're at, and, you know, we really can't control it. But, uh, you know, shout out to Memphis and, you know, a lot of a lot of guys helping us out and, you know, having us focus on, you know, college football. And that's what, that's what these players have been doing. Chase 4K has been our guest. He's taken us behind enemy lines for the Nichols State Colonels. Chase, we appreciate your time, man. And uh, 
We look forward to welcoming you guys to, to Lafayette this weekend. Yeah, man, I appreciate y'all. Man, I appreciate the time. I appreciate just uh, me getting my input on just Nickel State football and just how far we came, how far we're our success, our future, and just, you know, where we're at. And like I said, I'm looking forward to Saturday night, you know, getting back to UL, getting back to that Cajun field and just, uh, you know, ready for a good, good, good night's matchup. Yeah, no question about it. Once again, thanks, Chase. Always, man. I appreciate y'all. Thanks, Chase. All right, brother. Be good. There you go, Chase. Chase Forcade, former quarterback of the Nickel State Colonels, now a GA with the football program. We're about we're nearing we're nearing uh, just a few days before kickoff. We will have a quick pregame show for you guys at some point Saturday morning. Uh, the three of us are are gonna sit down and do some last minute, you know, injury report type of conversation, just kind of give you the latest information that we know. Breaking news to before the, the before the game with the Colonels on Saturday. We'll you take a break. Schedule, man. Jesus. Hey, we'll, I gotta keep you on your toes, man. We'll take a break and we'll wrap this episode up of Rage and Review right on the other side. Stay tuned. Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Rage interview Matt Miguez, Jerry Abear, Man About Town, Josh Jogno. We hope you enjoyed that behind enemy line segment on the Colonels of Nichols State. And as always, our, our prayers and thoughts go out to them and everybody in Southeast Louisiana still recovering from Hurricane Ida. Gentlemen, it, it's time to unveil a brand new. Rage interview segment, and we have always, we always kind of had one, 
Um, we, we've called it a multitude of names over the last two and a half years or so. But uh, what was formerly known as Jerry's Rage and Review Rant, which sometimes gets overtaken by either me or Josh, depending on what's going on. We will now call Man I Tell You What. And some backstory on this. Good old Jerry was, was a sideline reporter back in the gap for uh, Mike Bernard and Big Dave Thibodeau on ESPN 1420. They did the, uh, the high school game of the week for Acadiana. And it was always, you know, Brobridge, Cecilia, you know, somebody like that. Somebody in St. Martin Parish. And Jerry was their sideline reporter. And they would throw it down to Jerry to talk about, you know, whatever. And Jerry opened every time he talked with man, I tell you what. And Josh and I just think it's the funniest freaking thing in the world. So we're going to unveil a brand new segment and shout out to, to the big cat, Lil O. Josh's son Owen for the brand ambassador for recording our uh, our segment intro. So here we go for the first time ever. Man, I tell you what. Man, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you, Owen. Man, I tell you what. Mebra. I just wanted to give you just give you my just give you my two cents on the other day. I, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what we saw on. On Saturday, uh, I think you both, you, Matt and Josh, I know you've ranted enough about it. I know you're very frustrated. A lot of Cajun fans are frustrated about what happened Saturday, but I do want to give a little ray of sunshine to my segment today and just realize, look, we didn't play well. We didn't show up like I thought we could. I thought they were moments. We, we, we talked about it earlier. We had some positives in the game, but at the end of the day, we still have 13 games to go if we follow our goals. 13 games. Why is that? Well, that's not inclu- that's including the conference championship as well as the bowl game. Taking one game at a time, take care of business, play the style of football that I know the Cajuns can play, and we'll be all right. Um, I do think that we do need to make some adjustments. I think that there's some things we can improve on. I think the passing game needs to improve. I think we need to run the ball a little bit more. I think defensively, we need to get off the field quicker. What better way to do that than to do that against Nickel State this week, who comes in and like I said earlier, they're a very good football team, but they're, they're a team we should be able to beat. And uh, as we make our prediction later on, I will definitely bring that up. But, you know, I just want everybody to just sit back, relax, enjoy the fact that football season's back. I know we ran it the other night, but the good news is we had something to rant about. It's football. We got to enjoy uh, getting to see the Cajuns take the field. We got to enjoy the whole setting. Josh got to enjoy the actual experience. Matt and I got to enjoy watching it on TV. And, um, you know, it's one of those times where we just have to sit back and just be thankful that we actually get football after dealing with what we've been dealing with for the past year and a half. So that's going to be my segment. I just want to tell people don't panic quite yet. It's one game. It's the first game. Yes, we dropped out of the top 25. Yes, we're 0-1. But the good news is our goals are all still ahead of us. And what better coaching staff, what better coach to lead us than our boy Billy Napier, and this great team that believe that they can get the job done. Let's go out there, take care of Nichols this week, and then we move forward. So, man, I tell you what, it's one game. Let's just move on. But, hey, like I've said before when I covered high school football, that's why the game is played.
Back to you guys. Man, I tell you what. And that has been another edition of Man, I Tell You What. Jerry A. Bear, ladies and gentlemen, in, in the in the flesh. Well, thank you. I, I kind of thought about flesh. it on the spot, but it's it's raw emotion. That's what that's what's so great about this podcast. We're we're, we're emotional Cajun fans. And and Listen, you know don't, what? Don't you know don't what? Think we didn't catch the back to you guys. I caught it. Oh, I caught so, it. I caught <laughs> it. Thank you for the new. And you know what? Just so for Absolutely. just for just for shits and giggles. Although we lost, it's it's still horns down, right? Absolutely, it will always be horns down, regardless. <laughs> Dude is funny, Horns man. Down, baby. <laughs> Horns down, baby. Oh, You're raising man. them well, Josh. You're raising them good well. Good old, good old big cat. Hey, they raise themselves, man. You just sit back and hope <laughs> they don't break anything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Parenting one on one, right here. Anyways, hey, I, I'm I, I'm gonna have to learn that pretty soon. So let's let's take a look at what happened around the Sun Belt this past weekend. Obviously, we know that we fell to Texas, thirty-eight to eighteen. Uh, two days before we played, however, Coastal Carolina and App State were both in action and both looked just as good as advertised. Uh, Coastal Carolina defeating the Citadel 52-14. to Grayson McCall, 16 of 19, 262 yards and a touchdown. Javon Haley, their leading wide receiver, six catches, 133 yards and a touchdown. And then App State played Eastern Carolina, in the Duke's Mayo Classic in Charlotte, final score from that game thirty-three to nineteen. And you know it's funny, both on here and on Underdog Dynasty, the other podcast that I help host. The topic of conversation around Chase Bryce has been, you know, we'll see what happens, because he didn't really play much at Clemson. He was severely subpar at Duke last year. So, you know, you kind of didn't know what he was going to do. 20-27, 259 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He also added two yards on five carries rushing. But, you know, from, from a passing perspective, that was it was a solid game from, from the new guy. Um, I think App State with him under center and then you have Cam Peoples and Noel, and then in your receiving core, you have Thomas Hennigan and Jalen Virgil and Xavier Sutton. I think App State's going to be back to their usual selves contending for the East Championship. Way, way more worried about App State than Coastal. Yep. First of all, Coastal played the they the played the Citadel, Citadel, which would probably lose to UConn at this point, and they just look hapless. So color me unimpressed. Oh. App State, I was impressed by App State. Their offense is going to be a problem. They are nasty. Um, they kind of took their foot off the gas towards the end of that ECU game, and ECU is not very good. But I'm just telling you, Bryce was putting that ball in places where nobody's going to be able to defend it. Uh, we, I know you didn't go any further than those two, but I wanted to say that. Um, Texas State put up a, a game against Baylor. They got to start winning those games. They're in, well, bro, you like gotta they're in those me, games. You got to let me bro, get there. Might be. I thought we were just highlighting those two. No, Please continue, you, Matt. You got to let me get there. So Saturday after our game, Kentucky was unforgiving on UL Monroe, 45-10. to 10. Army as well, completely unforgiving on Georgia State, 43-10. to 10. 
Georgia Southern uses the goal line D to beat Gardner-Webb 30-25. to Arkansas State takes care of Central Arkansas 40-21. to Troy absolutely dominates Georgia, oh, excuse me, not Georgia Southern, Southern 55-3. to And the South Alabama opens up the Kane-Womack-slash-Jake-Bentley area 31-7 to over Southern Miss. You know, Josh, you, you talked about being way more worried about App State than Coastal Carolina. In terms of the Western Division, so far I'm more worried about South Alabama than I am Arkansas State. Mm, I don't know yet. I thought that they were very impressive, though, from what I was able to see. I didn't watch the entire game, but I watched probably about a third of it. And uh, I watched the second half, which is where they really just turned it on and, and dominated Will Hall in South, uh, Southern Mississippi. I don't know what to expect out of Southern Mississippi. It looks like Kusa's bad again this year so far. So uh, with the exception of God, I wish we had the Tommy McClellan audio. Oh man. <sighs> with the exception of, of UTSA. I mean, they look good. They had a nice win uh, this past week, but no man, South Alabama looked apart and I like the way they just, they wore down Southern Miss in the second half, really just took it to them and they were physical and their new, their new stadium looks like the real deal looks really nice. There was a lot of people there. They were excited. Yeah, South Alabama is going to be a problem. Yeah, I, you know, the, the, there's three games that really stuck out to me. Two of them were the George, both Georgia teams, Georgia Southern, Georgia State. I did not expect Georgia State to get dominated like by Army at home. Um, I was able to watch a little bit of it because it was on the earlier side, but they, they really couldn't get anything going. They couldn't get drives going. They committed turnover after turnover. Army whipped them on field position. They ran it down their throats with sort of that typical military school style of offense, that old school, you know, wing T wishbone style run game. And it just couldn't stop. Like Georgia state couldn't stop. Um, and that, that game shocked me because we all talked about Georgia state being the sleeper. Well, they don't look like a sleeper playing like that. Um, Georgia Southern on the other hand, against Gardner Webb, I didn't expect the game to be that close. I thought it would be one of those games where, you know, you're playing an FCS school. You dominate the game by 25, 30 points, and it was a five-point game. Uh, Georgia's, and, and luckily for Georgia Southern's kicker, he pulled through for him. I think he went like three for three on field goals. And then also, we saw the absence of shy works for the first time. Uh, no shy works on that offense. So maybe that identity is kind of shifting, unlike App State with Chase Bryce. Who, by the way, you know, we like to joke about, Jay, uh, uh, who was it, uh, Thomas. Um, Zach. Zach Thomas. Man, Chase Bryce is a stud. Uh, there's a reason why he committed to Clemson, and it showed the other night against ECU. Some of those passes he he made, and then you add Cameron Peoples in the mix. They're dangerous, very dangerous. And then we're not even talking about the App State defense, which has been pretty good for the past few years anyway. So they're a dangerous team. Um, but, yeah, the three games that stuck out to me, Georgia State, because it was a blowout, I thought it would be a lot closer at home. Georgia Southern, because it was so close. But the one that you talked about was South Al. Uh, South Al dominating Southern Miss. I don't know if it's South Al being better or is it Southern Miss trying to rebuild with that Will Hall staff? I don't know what that is, but I was very surprised to see that score that lopsided uh, in Mobile. I think Will Hall has his work cut out for him because. Oh, he does. He, he said it after the game. Yeah. Southern Miss has been down for a few years now, man. They, they've had such turmoil in that program. I mean, they had a coach leave two games into the season last year. Or was it two or three games? I forget exactly when Hobson left, but two, yeah, that's uh, 
we we think of Southern Miss as as a good quality program because they were for so many years, but they're not right now, and they haven't been for quite some time. I mean, the last time that they were any good, we saw them in a bowl game with you know HUD's second to last season. So, you know, man, I I don't know. I think I think the Sun Belt is better again this year. I think it's going to continue to be a quality league. Nobody's really talking about that Texas State game that I just mentioned. I don't know if people are not expecting much out of Baylor, but Texas State, again, went into Baylor, and they had an opportunity to win the game. This is like three or four years in a row where they've scared the hell out of somebody. You know, sooner or later, they're going to knock somebody off. I mean, they're in these games, and Spavadol's got it going, especially from an offensive standpoint. I thought their defense looked competent as well. Uh, Again, I didn't get to watch the whole game, but the highlights and just a little bit that I got to watch – they look like they belong on the field with Baylor, you know, another Big 12 team uh, that uh, just a couple of years ago were a co- maybe a game away from being in the playoff talk. So, man, look, I think the league is is the floor has certainly raised. We talked about that last year. Uh, the ceiling is, you know, it's Louisiana, Coastal and App State. And I'm telling you, App State is a problem. They've always had that that core group with defensive and offensive line uh, domination for the most part in this league. They have returning seniors that have been there forever. It feels like Hannigan feels like he's been there for eight years. I um, said that the other night as like, he's been here a decade. It feels no, like he's real. been here forever. No, you it, know, it, Sutton, it's true. He caught a pass. I'm like, he's still there. Right. He hasn't graduated yet. No, he could be the coach, but you know, they've got <laughs> Sutton back be. healthy. They got Sutton back healthy. Cam Peoples is an, abs- is an absolute monster. Everybody even forgets about Noel because, you know, you think Cam Peoples. But they've got – they have they have all the potential to score lots of points and be good on defense. Of course, they're replacing a few guys. But, you know, look, you go – who wants to go up to to uh, the Rock and play that team, especially in December? Not I. I sure, I sure the hell don't. I'm glad they're coming to Lafayette because from, from as far as I'm concerned, in the league who I was impressed with was – App State in South Al. Yeah. Yeah, no question about it. Some other games around the country that we need to make note of. How about Tulane? I mean, you know, we usually dog Tulane on this podcast, and we'll continue to do so. But right now, we're going to give them their props. They lost their home game with Oklahoma due to Hurricane Ida. They moved the game to Norman. and They go into Norman, and, you know, they went up 7 nothing early. And I was like, well, hot damn, look at Tulane. And then next thing I checked, it was 14-7. Tulane still winning. And I said, okay, well, I might have to keep an eye on this. And then Oklahoma just runs away with it. I think it was 31-14. to 37-14 was 37-14. And yeah. so, so at that moment, I was like, all right. You know, 37-14 in the third quarter, I was like, okay, it's over. Right. Like, That's when we walked into the game. Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler is going to put this game away, and you know it'll be what it'll be. But then I see thirty-seven twenty. Then I see thirty-seven twenty-eight. Then I see forty to twenty-eight, and then it's forty thirty-five, and then Tulane recovers the onside kick. So they have the ball down five with less than two minutes to go. And for a second, I sat there and I said. Hot damn, Tulane's going to pull this off. They're going to walk into Norman and beat the number two team in the country. And then they got jobbed by the referees. 
which is fitting because that's how it normally ends. But look, I, I might be the, I know we have other games that we, we want to talk about, so I won't get too in depth on this, but I might be the only person in the world that is like all set on Spencer Rattler. I, I think he is talented as shit. He might be more talented than Johnny Manziel for all I know, because he looks the part, but I don't like the guy. There's yeah. some, he seems like a lazy player. He seems like a front runner. He doesn't seem like a team guy. He seems like a me guy. His logo is dumb and plagiarized. Uh, there's just so many things about him that make me just not like him. He rubs Wait, me his the wrong logo way. is plagiarized. Yeah, you didn't see that on social media. Somebody showed the, uh, it was some logo for some like machinery shop or something that it was like the exact same logo as him. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I don't know if it really was plagiarized. I was I was halfway kidding, but I mean, just to show you, I mean, the guy, something off about him. He's a front runner. I don't like front runners, not even a little bit. He's super talented, but he probably couldn't play for me. I'll just be honest. But yeah, you're right about Tulane, hell of an effort. Imagine getting Oklahoma to sign a home and home, and when it's their turn to come to New Orleans, you lose the game. How brutal is that? Then you had to go to well, Norman and play. Oh, luckily, luckily Oklahoma has agreed to return. They the will return the home at a later date. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and most P5s wouldn't. So good on them. Yeah. Um. Let's see some other games that we should probably discuss. Uh, Alabama was Alabama. I mean, Jesus Christ, Bryce Young. Wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah, I mean, no, no kidding. Cincinnati looked dominant once again. Um. Let's see. I'm scrolling through the list. Liberty, again. I mean, they played a weak Campbell team, but they still looked just as good, if not better, than they were last year. How about Georgia? I mean, obviously, people are high on Georgia this year, but the way that they were able to just completely pick apart Clemson. I mean, it was defensive. I mean, defensively, they looked outstanding. Um you know, no more Trevor Lawrence, no more Travis Etienne. Yeah, DJ DJ Ugalale. Um, you know, Clemson's going to have a, it's going to take them a game or two to get their identity back. But I think you know, going up against some a little bit of an easier schedule moving forward should help them. But Georgia just looked dominant on defense. Um, I thought they did a fantastic job. And then, how about the highlight of the night? The Sissy refineries, the Refineryville the, River Rats, the 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 purple and puke turning black and blue. Sissy blue shirts. The sissy, sissy blue. blue. Oh my God. I love the sissy blue. Do you know how badly I want to go on fanatics.com? Subtle ad drop to fanatics. How badly I want to go there and just buy any UCLA shirt right now. I That's am so great. I am such a fan. Hey, you know, my favorite part about all this is that if you watch the game, they got physically dominated. The oh, dude, they looked awful. By a Pac-12 team. They look awful. They, you know how many yards rushing LSU outside, had? Outside of Kayshawn like Boutte. Outside of Kayshawn Boutte, LSU looked awful. Their front seven and their offensive line looked look terrible. Um, and, and look, they better get that fixed soon because they're going to go in the SEC. You saw what Ole Miss did last night. 49 Alabama, rushing yards. On 25 um, attempts. Arkansas. Mississippi State, all these teams can score points. Ole Miss. If, well, that's what I said, Ole Miss the other night. I mean, oh all these teams God. can score. Look, every single team in the West pretty much can score points. And if your front seven plays like that, all you're, I'm you're going to be in for a long day. All I'm going to say, <clears throat> Ed Ogeron, 
if you have somebody that sends this podcast to you, God, I hope you do, you and your college girlfriend better pack a damn bag because you're on your way out, buddy. They are not happy. Oh, man. They are not happy, dude. No, and, and it's only happy. it's only going to get worse. I mean, your next well, two games. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to discredit McNeese, but you have McNeese, and then you have Central they lost Michigan. Lost to a D two school. They lost to a D two school, and then you have Michigan, Central Michigan. But then after that, Mississippi State, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama, <laughs> Arkansas. You get a break with UL Monroe, but then you end the season with A and M. You better fix it now. I mean, dude. You better fix it now. LSU may very well go five and seven. Okay. Like, this is exactly what I was saying before the season. And I've been saying, I've said this a bunch of times. Preseason rankings should not be a thing. I know what they're for. I know why we have them. I understand their role in the lexicon of college football and, and talking and generating interest. I get all that stuff. But there's no way in hell a five and five team should have been ranked, especially Agreed. in the top 16 Agreed. in the country, going into that game. They looked worse than they looked last year. Well, let's, well, let's do this. Saturday night, obviously, we'll have our post-game reaction. We will record a second podcast if Cody Orgeron takes care of daddy. That, that would be the all-time biggest oh, loss man. in LSU history. W- would he be fired post-game? He wouldn't do a. He wouldn't do the post game interview. He would. He would probably be escorted off the sideline in the third quarter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! The purple and puke. No, good old, good old refinery. Maybe, you. Maybe I should have added to the man. I tell you what segment. But what's hilarious is you know they, their fans love to talk down on us. Oh, you're ULLL. You're know your place. Know your place. You're nobodies and all that. You're irrelevant. But yet, but yet you yet, want our coach. But yet I see on your message boards. Every other thread has our coach's name in there. And I'm now, why you, is that? And I'm telling you right now, if you'd asked me, if you'd asked me a year ago, had Billy Nap- would Billy Napier take that job? I'd say yes. Now, no shot. No shot. Ooh, I don't, huh. That scares me a little bit. No shot. That scares no me shot. a little bit. I the don't, only I don't see a guy I think, like Billy hitching his wagon to that program. I think the only reason I could see him taking that. Is just on athletic budget alone. How much more money he could work with? Auburn had a I think, huge athletic budget. I think that would be the only reason he walks. Because I'll tell you what, Allie and the kids are not going to be happy in Baton Rouge. Well, they could live here, which is a big reason why he stays here. Anyway, they're not going to be happy in Baton Rouge. He does not knowing the type of person, and I don't know Billy that well on a personal level, but. From what I've gathered about the man, he does not want to deal with LSU's fan base. He does not want to deal with LSU's boosters. And he does not want to deal with LSU's administration. So if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, but if I am, I would put money that Billy Napier, LSU doesn't even offer him the job because they can't swallow their pride enough to do that. Let me make well, a quick did. comment. Let me make a quick comment about because you mentioned Allie and the kids and living environment and everything. If you guys read the article, and Catherine brought this up, funny enough, but if you guys read the article that uh, that Yarbrough did on it, I mean uh, Scarborough did on it, Alex Scarborough, he talks about 
the feeling that he had when he got let go at Clemson. And he talks about going home, dreading going home and telling his wife that he didn't have a job anymore. That, that is a very interesting point. If you really think about how his time at Louisiana has played out, what do you think is going to happen if he doesn't win the sec, at least he's going to be gone in three years. The reason why he didn't go to Auburn is for that same reason. The reason why he didn't go to South Carolina is for that same reason. There are plenty of reasons why he's still here and it never probably came out or, you know, maybe you didn't connect the dots until now, but job security means a whole lot to Billy Napier. And I can tell you another thing is that he really loves working for Brian. You guys know that when you put those two things together, I'm not saying that he's never going to leave here. What I am saying is that he's not going to jump ship to make money just, you know, just because it's a higher profile job, because in the back of his mind, he knows if I don't win big and win big, like hugely big, especially in Baton Rouge, I'm going to be out on my ass in three or four years. Right. I think also too, is that Billy never really, I mean, he, I don't think he ever imagined because, you know, you see the stories of him wanting to follow in his dad's footsteps. He was just going to be a high school coach. He never thought he would end up coaching college D one football, making $2 million a year. This is almost line up for him. Add in the fact that he has a wife and kids, and, 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 and I've had a few debates about this with whether it's LSU fans or SEC fans in general, they all go, well, you know, anytime they offer him money, they think, well, they're just going to throw you money. He's going to leave when the reality is it's okay. So I t- I, and, I, and I answer, I respond to that statement like this. Take away his career. Take away what he does for a living. Okay. Take away. Let's pretend he's not a coach. Let's keep the fact that he's making $2 million a year and look where he lives. You're making $2 million a year living in Lafayette, Louisiana. Let's forget that you're a coach. Could you really get much better than that? No. So this idea that, well, he's going to go to this school because he's going to get paid this much money. Look, not everybody wants to live in, no offense to these towns, but nobody wants to live in Starkville making, even if you're making $2 million a year, raising your family in Starkville, Mississippi or Auburn, Alabama, not taking any credit away from these places. There is a sense. I was about of, to say, I've heard Starkville's pretty fun. Starkville blows, man. Look, you drive for hours and hours. You there's see nothing absolutely there. nothing. You pass through a couple of trailer parks and all of a sudden a stadium pops up. Nobody that's wants to live much, there. That's pretty much what okay, it well, what is. About, what about Auburn? It's in the middle of nowhere. Same. Auburn's, well, Auburn's nice. Auburn's not bad. But if you, if you have a wife and kid, okay, if you have wife and kids and you're, let's say you're working you know, and I've been told this by people who were employed by the SEC schools. You have wife and kids and you're working 12, 13, 14 hour shifts and your, your wife and kids are at home and they want to go do something around town. There's nothing to do around there. You think they're going to be happy after a while while you're working, doing practice, film and all that? Well, your no. wife and kids well, are at home. They got nothing to do. Well, no, what, probably not. What? So that that's where I think a lot of SEC fans, a lot of whether it's LSU or SEC fans but, in general, general if, need to understand that. But but if Mama had triple the budget to spend, you know, on online shopping and vacations and stuff like that, I mean, you know, money, I mean, maybe like, like no, and, and I and I agree. I, I don't I don't believe that money's everything. I agree with you completely. However, that conversation would be had by anybody. Some numbers are big and they make you 
make decisions you wouldn't necessarily make. I, I agree with that. But two million bucks in Lafayette, Louisiana is not too bad of a of a gig. Yeah, true. That. I think when people when people take off their SEC colored glasses or P five colored glasses and just take a step back from the actual career and just scratch on the surface, you're making two million bucks living in Lafayette, Louisiana. Yep. You Agreed. know, I mean, look, we all love Lafayette. We're not trying to be biased towards Lafayette. But your way of life in Lafayette is a lot better than some of these small towns that these colleges are in. All right, boys. And when you have a wife and kids, that's where it really, really, you know, it, it matters. Thoughts and predictions for this weekend against Nichols? Um, I think the Cajuns get back on track. I think this is one of those weeks, like I've said earlier, that um, I don't think Billy gets too fancy with the scheme. I don't think he really tries to do anything crazy. I think he's going to play who he plays. He's going to get a lot of subs in there play a lot of younger guys, and they're just going to stick with the fundamentals and try to execute on the fundamentals. It's a great week to do that. Um, and don't be surprised if Nichols punches us in the mouth a few times. Tim Rebo's got a squad there, and they're really good. Uh, but I just think the depth is going to overpower Nichols. I think we're going to establish more of a run game. I think we're going to try to improve Levi's passing attack a little bit more, kind of let him use his feet, get, you know, get kind of back into the groove of what he's capable of going into the season. I think defensively, Lindsey Scott's great, but I also think that the defense, it's good practice for them. Uh, try to stay up, keep them off the field. Do what we couldn't do against Texas. Get some three and outs. Try to get some good time of possession. Extend drives and, and get more of a rushing attack in. I think the Cajuns pull out the victory. Um, if I had to predict, I'd probably say somewhere, eh, I'd probably say 38 to 38-14, 38-17. I think uh, Nichols sticks with us for about at least a quarter and a half, one half. I think the Cajun step pulls away in the second half. So I don't want fans to be disappointed. If it's a 38-17 game, don't feel like, oh, my gosh, they didn't show up. Don't underestimate Nichols. They're a top 30 FCS program. So probably 38-14, 38-17 Cajuns. I think the uh, Cajuns get their first win of the year. And now you get ready for the short week against Ohio the following Thursday. Uh, I think that I'm not going to be caught up on results this week. I want to see execution from the offense. Plain and simple. I want to win. I want to see matchups be won. And look, we're way talented than Nichols. It's not close, especially offense versus uh, the Cajun offense versus the Nichols defense. So we should be able to win those matchups. We should be able to execute. Shouldn't be any pressure to go out and play our game. You know, like we say all the time, week one to week two is your biggest improvement. Uh, this is a program, however, that has gone to Nebraska, almost won, has gone to, um, well, shit, they went, they went to Kansas and won, and they went to Georgia and almost won. And this has happened uh, three out of the last four years. So this is not a team that's going to be coming in here scared. So we, we need to play. We need to play well. But I think, like Jerry said, ultimately our depth and our talent overwhelms them in the second half. And, of course, I think we're going to win the game. We should win the game. But I don't, I don't know what the points are. I wouldn't take them. I can tell you that. You ready for this? I'm getting ballsy here. 52 to 14. I think that the anger from the lack of performance that we had in Austin on Saturday is going to fuel through practice. And then those boys come out on Saturday just ready to knock some freaking heads. And I think Levi Lewis puts on a clinic. And I think our receivers and running backs play incredibly well, and our defense makes some plays. Who knows? We see Chandler Fields maybe for the entire fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, if we are up 52 to 14, I want to see some Chandler Fields. I think, you know, I think it's high time we start seeing some backup quarterback play. You know, you never know what can happen to Levi. 
but I think we're all very curious. I don't think he'll get a ton of snaps because I, that's not how Billy operates. And it's at the end of the day, it is Levi's team, but it would be nice to see him get some reps. I mean, at the end, dude, Levi Lewis is, a, he's gone after this season. So I understand how he operates and why he does what he does, but I think the fans would really like to see some Chandler Fields. Yeah, no yeah I think it's time I would. To, I'd I like to see him. I think it's time to give him some reps, but also you want to give him reps if you're way ahead. Um, I think it's safe to say that if the Cajuns are doing what they're supposed to be doing, if Levi has the game that Matt, you expect them to have, then we should, we, we, we should see Chandler Fields. Um, should see him at least in the fourth quarter, get some reps, because like you said, Josh, you never know. You never know something, knock on wood, it doesn't happen, but something could happen. And then what? Is your rest of your season shot or do you have a quarterback that's ready to roll? Right. No question about it. This has been another edition of Rage and Review. Gentlemen, Jerry, Josh, appreciate you joining me as always. Six o'clock Saturday night, Cajun Field, 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. We'll have some football. Free parking. Free parking, yes. Free parking. Tailgating will be a blast. Tailgating's not free, just FYI. Um, But go out, hang out with your friends. Obviously, somebody you know has a tailgate tent. Go hang out, get some free food. Rage and Review will be around in the vicinity. Uh, So go hang out, have a good time. Come find us, and uh, we'll we'll enjoy a, a football game in Cajun Field once again. Boys, this has been another edition of Rage and Review. Like, follow, comment, subscribe, however you got to do it. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Rage and Review, RageandReviewPod.com. And you can catch this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Everybody have a good night. And as always, go Cajuns. Tell them, Owie.